Hello there, it's me, the LGR Human Resources Robot. Everyone on the team is currently ill and LGR Towers has been quarantined. So unfortunately we are not able to bring you a new episode this week, but here is one of our favorites from the archive. Enjoy! This episode was recorded on the 29th of January 2018. The world was a much different place then. There are satirical and comedic remarks made in this upcoming program that the easily offended, the Russian, or employees of Audi could take issue with. If you are either, we recommend that you switch off now. Welcome to another LGR Ballyhoo episode where we scrape the cinematic barrel and talk about another terrible movie adaptation of a video game, or in this case, two terrible movies about a video game. In the year 2000, IO Interactive released the first in a series of eight reasonably successful and for the most part well-regarded Hitman games. With the advent of the imminent Hulu television adaptation from John Wick creator Derek Kolstad, we thought we'd take time out to look at the series' previous forays into celluloid. 2007's Hitman and 2015's Hitman Agent 47. I am your handler for the evening, Mark Hamer, and joining me tonight are Agent 738 and a random Russian villain, aka Kevin Moore, Andy Piddy, and joining us from the Codec Moments Media Empire, it's downtown Andy Brown. Good evening, Agents. Hello. Evening. Good evening. Das Vidanya. That's about the extent of my Russian. <laughs> you know too much. I watched both of these films back to back yesterday and then I wanted to kill myself. So if I am belligerent throughout the entirety of this show, that's why. You're going to have a contract put out on yourself yeah. by Agent 47. Well, I'm going to have a contract put out on uh, Skip Woods. So yeah, both of these films written by the same man, Skip Woods, responsible for such cinematic greats as the script for, sorry, such cinematic greats as Live Free or Die Hard. Yes. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Get in! The A-Team. Yep. A Good Day to Die Hard. <laughs> and Sabotage. And don't forget Swordfish. 
Saltfish. Oh, I deliberately <laughs> left that one off. I don't know why. <laughs> all classics up there with one flew over the cuckoo's nest. And... <laughs> Saltfish is all right. Anyway, we'll jump straight into the first one. The 2007 release simply called Hitman, which has quite a decent cast, actually. Timothy Elephant. I, I was always saying it was made up. Oliphants is what elephants were called in Oliphant. Middle Earth. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, Lord of yeah, the Rings. Yeah, so that's definitely a made up name. Olga Kurielenko, who only one year after this would be a Bond girl in Quantum of Something. That really forgettable. Question one. of Sport. A Question of Sport, yeah. <laughs> Doug Ray Scott, who shall henceforth be referred to as not Gerard Butler. <laughs> Robert Nepper, who was probably better known as the white supremacist and paedophile from Prison Break. D-Bag! And, uh, and uh, Desmond from Lost. <laughs> Are you going to kill me? If I was going to kill you, I'd have done it when you walked to the car this morning. Been gone by the time your body hit the sidewalk. And why are you here? To talk. But Mike, if you make me kill you, you will not go alone. Sit. Hitman starts with a montage of children being tattooed and trained as hitmen whilst the opening credits run. Uh, which means we get straight into the action in London. Uh, not Gerard Butler, who plays Mike, comes home to discover Agent 47 is waiting for him, ready to do some lengthy exposition and a flashback three years to Africa where a man is force-fed a pound of C4 to kill someone. One of the things that's always been a bit dumb about Hitman is that he's a bald man with a tattoo on the back of his head, which would make him pretty conspicuous. Why did they carry that over into the films? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm totally with you on this one because I, I kind of get it in the games. He's a clone, and clearly when you clone yeah. things, they turn bald, and they all look the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at Dolly the Sheep. Bad example. Not as bald as you might imagine, <laughs> but very <laughs> So what struck me later on is when there's all the other agents, 46, 12, 18, and I don't know, 90, having a fight together, and they all look slightly different. And then there's the black agent, who clearly isn't a clone. So yeah. is it just kids that they've gathered up off the street? I wasn't... Because it was all a bit monkey, that introduction. Yeah, it seemed a bit of a churchy thing. And there was no black kids. It was all, like, it was all a bit like an extreme mm. arm of the Catholic Church decided they were going to start an organisation for contract killing. Consisting solely of kids with alopecia. Mm. See, this is starting to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How were they clones if they didn't look alike? Defective clones? All of them? Yeah. This is the crux of my point. If they're not clones, which clearly they don't look like clones in all the scenes when they're together, why are they all bald? If you're in a town full of baldies, you shave your head off. You'd want to blend in. Yeah, but maybe the figure of a light bounces off the heads so the cameras can't spot them. Finally, someone's talking sense. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you'd think that they could have thought of a slightly more subtle place to put a barcode than literally on the back of their head. (laughs) <laughs> behind the ear or something or, yeah on their ass cheeks or something like that something easily covered the schlong on the schlong <laughs> <laughs> just an RFID tag exactly yeah but it's like our barcodes um, have to be uncovered over so that's why we can't grow hair because they have to be scanned at some point <laughs> that would be a nightmare at Sainsbury's <laughs> wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. unexpected package in banging area <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at no point do I, re- I remember uh, anyone being having their barcode scanned in these films. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. No. I do when we go back to headquarters. I don't know. Scott. <laughs> For a quick debrief and scan. <laughs> Just, everyone gets logged out and everyone gets logged back in again. <laughs> yeah. We're missing yeah. one. Stock take. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
So yeah, did anyone have any inkling of what the hell was going on in the intro to this film? Not a clue. Not a Scooby. Um, I found it quite weird that he was already able to blend into, it's hard to tell, but it's a country that's full of African gents and he's as pale as driven snow and bald. Mm-hmm. Well yeah. done. <laughs> also, where did he yeah. get strawberry flavoured C4 from? <laughs> uh, you can get it from the one stop. It's easy. Yeah, home bargains <laughs> on the, you know, those little uh, end of aisle sections. Yeah, yeah, it's just next to the Palmer Violets. <laughs> I was just really distracted throughout the in- that entire intro sequence. Where I'm like, you really, really wanted to get Gerard Butler, but you couldn't afford him. Who can't afford Gerard Butler? He'll do anything for peanuts. Skip Woods. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard Butler. <laughs> they're in Niger, I think it was, and they're in this office. And I take it it's the general's office. But Dougary Scott's got his murder board on the wall of this guy's office. He takes it around like a PowerPoint. Yeah, that's, it, that's what I find. He just takes it around with him all the time and goes, hey, just let me put this up on the wall. <laughs> no, I thought of that. It's going to come in useful. He is. He's in somebody else's office and he goes up to the wall and he puts a pin in and he's like, yeah, do you see the yeah. pin? So obviously he's yeah. been in there for like half an hour before the guy came in, just putting pins in the guy's mouth. <laughs> yeah, but don't forget he's Scottish. You're not going to argue with any Scotsman that's going to come in with a pin board. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> There'll be exposition in a minute. <laughs> yeah, just hang on, hang on. Just wait, wait. This will all make sense in a second. I'm just to put all of these pins in, except for this one. Yeah, do whatever you want. All right, just don't shout at me anymore. There you go. Look at the pattern. The pattern is you're crazy, mister. <laughs> General, this man truly is the best at what he does. He is likely responsible for over 100 deaths. Let me show you what I mean. This is Ovi. And these are just the ones we know about. Are you beginning to get the picture? Moving swiftly on, uh, we cut to St. Petersburg where Agent 47 is ruining a whiskey, apparently, by putting one too many ice cube in it. That's a very specific way to ruin a glass of whiskey mm-hmm. and getting told off by an oddly out of place English woman but also does, does that woman have any significance in the rest of the film because no, I, I not thought, at all I thought she was nope. obviously going to be some key character placement and then she just <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I must have felt really sorry for her when she got the role because like yeah you're going to be an extra with an actual speaking role you're in this one scene you will flirt terribly with a bald Timothy Oliphant and then that's it yeah, I don't know. Maybe they shot loads more and just left it on the cutting floor and she had a whole backstory and they took a trip to Rome together and fell in love and then fell out of love. and <laughs> That's why we became a hit. I never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did start by going three years backwards, so you never know. The thing I found about that awkwardly placed woman is, it, 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 well, it is really awkward. It's kind of like an American teen drama version of Hitman. Yeah. He's meant to be this international assassin, master of disguise, fits into every situation. And within 10 minutes of the film starting, he looks like a complete prick because he can't even say his name to this woman who's just come up to him in a bar. How is he going to blend into any situation? I mean, (laughs) I get it. They're like, they're supposed to be emotionless. Like, Agent 47 is pretty emotionless throughout all the games. He only really cares about his hand. But he can introduce himself with a name in the games. I mean, he's forever going, the name's Reaper, Tobias Reaper. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, like or um, Helmut Kruger. Yeah. Why could they not have just made him look like he was capable of giving somebody a fake name? I don't know. He's very good at playing roles in the games. He has to pretend to be people all the time. That's most of yeah. the point of Hitman, yeah. is pretending to be people who aren't Agent 47. Well, in this film, he actually turns up at an arms deal as somebody else. Someone else, yeah, and pretends to have emotions yeah. and cracks wise. I think it was the kind of like uh, those scenes where it's like, let's take the classic scene where a woman goes and chats to James Bond and then they end up boning, but he's got no mm. emotions, so nothing will happen. And they hammer that point home like several points throughout the film. And it's like, you really uh, don't need to. He might not even have a willy. <laughs> he might not have, yeah. yeah, he might be like a Ken doll. Maybe he's like Action Man. <laughs> Maybe that's a price of barcode. You have this barcode? You get frustration. <laughs> that's why it's not on his schlong. He hasn't got one. That's it. <laughs> why am I obsessed with Hitman's schlong? That's going to be the name I of the know. third film. Let's, <laughs> let's move on before we... Oh, God. <laughs> he leaves the woman who we never see again. He goes back to his room and he gets given a job. He has to kill a fella called Belikov, who I can't remember what his job is. He's the president... Of Russia. He's president of Russia. Okay. Did anyone else notice that on the computer, Diana basically sounded she was voiced by an Amiga 1200? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, that really freaked me out at first. Like, because I watched the two films back to back, they're kind of m- melding into each other. In one of the films, Diana is a person. I think she's in both of them because she does phone him back, yeah, doesn't she? she? Yeah, she one. does turn up as a woman somewhere along the line, doesn't she? Yeah, a Chinese woman. Yeah. At some point. That's the second one, isn't it? But she definitely talks on the phone because she talks to Agent 48 when she phones him up to say, uh, get your ass into gear. Mm. So, yes. She, but yeah, like you say, he gets his job from a free text-to-speech app. (laughs) Andy, um, now you're the resident Hitman expert. Is Diana actually a character in the games? Yeah, she is. So she actually appears in physical form She's your handler in all your games, and I think she first appears in person in Blood Money at the end when she supposedly right. double-crosses you, but actually it's a, a setup for the, the kind of the end of Requiem level. So she's not an invention for this movie then? Or next no, movie. no, no. All right, No, cool. no, no, she's she's a handler, and that's kind of why, actually, I was a bit, like you, Mark, I was a little bit freaked out when it was just a text-to-speech type affair. I thought, this is playing fast and loose with it, yeah. I'm sure they could have gotten the voice actor who played Diana, and you very rarely see her in the games. You see her, like I said, at the end of Blood Money, uh, once or twice during um, last year's, uh, no, the year before last's uh, Hitman game. So you, she didn't need to appear on screen, just get the actual voice actor instead of... Anyway, he carries off job to kill Belikov with a very long-range sniper kill. Is it something like like something ridiculous, like four and a half kilometres or something stupid like that? Yeah, something stupid. Something like that. It looks ridiculous. But he does it from far enough away for it to be very, very difficult for anyone to be able to work out exactly where he is. And then he blows up the briefcase with his gun in just to make sure that they can pinpoint exactly where he was. (laughs) There's a couple of things about this plot that, in in my personal opinion, don't make any f***ing sense. (laughs) Wait, are you going to try and argue that this film doesn't hold up? If it were a bucket, it wouldn't hold water. (laughs) I've got a point to make about this, but I think we, we probably need to get a bit further on in, in the synopsis before I, before I make the point I'm going to make about this remarkable, miraculous four and a half kilometer shot. Yeah, apparently like, uh, he killed Belikov, but then they're claiming that Belikov wasn't dead and Belikov makes a public appearance and there was a witness to the killing, which was Olga Kurilenko. Yeah, he did it in public. 
So there's loads yeah. of witnesses. There was like it was on television, but only this one person saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where was she? I don't know. Because I didn't see her in that um, building site where he was situated. At no time was she anywhere no, close to the uh, building no, she site was where a, he was she sat. was a witness to him, t- to Belikov dying. Like, Belikov being hit with a... I mean, loads of other people there would have seen it, but... Yeah, this, do you know, you've, you've just hit the nail on the head. This is exactly what irked me about it, and I, I'm, I'm going to go off on one in a bit. <laughs> You're going to lose it. Everyone simultaneously blinked at the same time and missed it, apart from Olga Kurylenko. <laughs> so she's the only one who witnessed it. Yeah, but it was a guy on the grassy knoll. It was the guy, yeah, back into the left. Back into the left. <laughs> so she's the only witness, and Interpol... Interpol? Why Interpol? They have, like, they why have did, no... Why does nobody in films know how Interpol works? They don't have any real power or jurisdiction. No. Nope. Especially not in Russia. Famously not part of Europe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Interpol just help kind of like coordinate different police forces in an international police investigation. That's about it. They don't really have any power. But he's there in Russia and thinks that Jared Butler's there in... Not Jared Butler, sorry. Is it there in... in, Budget Butler. um, (laughs) In Russia, he has more jurisdiction than the local Russian police. And indeed, the FSB. I'm going to start doing this because nobody seems to get it or know. So I might just, whenever I get into a situation where, you know, somebody seems to think they have any authority over me, I'm just going to say, I'm with Interpol and see if it works. <laughs> Sorry, mate, you're not coming in tonight. You're going to train us. I'm with Interpol. Oh, all right, then. What, that hipster band from New York? <laughs> You're on about the fact that they don't know how Interpol works, but you were actually forgetting that they also don't have a clue to this day how a computer works. Oh, no, no one in uh, Hollywood in just film, doesn't no, know. Hollywood doesn't know how, how computers work. No, no. because uh, you never have a mouse. Nobody ever touches a touchpad. Yeah. And they beep incessantly. If you had a laptop that did that, you would absolutely throw it through the window in about and, 20 minutes. Yeah. And you can hack anything in the world by typing really fast. Really fast, yeah. Yeah. That's how it's done. Don't worry, we've got his IP address. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go knock yourself out. <laughs> Shit, he's using uh, incognito mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Olga Kurylenko is apparently the only witness, and it's was told her to, go and p- to go and pick her up. And then another hitman goes to kill her. But it's, it's another agent, right? Yeah. yeah. Another from the program. one. Like, yeah. Yeah, another baldy ta- um, barcode guy. Who baldy, baldy. Trained to be... And you've seen... You see how many ridiculous sniper shots Agent 47 can make. And he misses from, like... <laughs> Over the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and manages to kill an innocent person. Nobody's innocent. Yeah, well, They're all in this film together. Okay. Well, just because he's Russian. <laughs> So yeah, forty seven's told that uh, that he won't get paid because Belikov is still alive, and then Markov turns out with the Russian police. That's um, that uh, is um, what's his name? Teabag. Teabag. Yeah, Teabag yeah. doing yeah. his best Gary Oldman in Air Force One, John Malkovich in <laughs> Rounders Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> so he turns up outside with the Russian police, and they blow up his hotel room, and uh, he, he yeah. Age 47 kills all the police and escapes, which this is, this is one of the first points where I was like, you are fundamentally misunderstanding how Hitman, the video game series works. Yeah. Because he's not a, an action star. Yeah. You can't, when in the Hitman games, you cannot shoot your way out of any situation because it's a really yeah. bad shooter. Mm. And 
you lose points for killing anyone who isn't the target. Yeah. Yeah, killing anyone who isn't the target is kind of punished in the games. Yeah, I know. I've, I've always found this in, in the games, you can very quickly get overwhelmed by even two or three of the most chumpiest guards just because you've, you're in close quarters. It's just madness. The, the, the games, the entire point of it is you use whatever advantage you have, whether it be stealth, whether it be cover, whether it be disguise, and you move slowly. It just, yeah. It's just... At one point, it's actually on the top of an elevator that's full of these police. I mean, it could have just quite happily left the lid on which doesn't even exist on elevators anyway. Another movie thing where you've got a flap that seems to open into the elevator. Where's the cables at this point? I don't know. I don't know if that was... I'm probably looking into it too deep, but I wonder if that was a reference to... um, Do you remember the um, casino level of Hitman Blood Money? Yeah, yeah. When you could like hide on top of the lift, wait for one of the targets to get into the lift, then lean down through the flap and top, strangle him and leave the body on top of the lift. There's quite a few... Nice little nods to the games across the across the both the films. I liked some of the shots. Yeah, but like I'm guessing that what's his name, Skip Woods, has at some or at least someone involved in the films actually played the games. Mm. But they still fundamentally get the character wrong. Well, Dobby's Russian police look like they're from Fallout. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. from <Cousin. laughs> like yeah, they're fully fully kitted out and. Timmy the Elephant's wearing just his suit. Well, to, and to be honest, there's, that, there's yeah. that level in the first game, isn't there? And I think it's redone in contracts where you, you have to escape the is it the orphanage that he's, he's kind of yeah. he's mm. grown up in and where the experiment's happened. And it is being raided by a SWAT team at that point. So you do, you do have instances like this in the games where you've got to deal with those situations, but you don't do it by going out all guns blazing. I think you can actually pick up like a... Like a minigun and massive body armor in that kind of yeah, actually. But you can't shoot your way out. But but I think this is the thing. It's not it's not a slick shooter. You don't you don't walk into a room of people and take every single bad guy out. You know, shooting them sequentially. If you end up going out all guns blazing, it's because you you've probably hit the end of blood money. You've upgraded your guns and everything, and your armor and your uh, first aid as much as you possibly can, and then you kind of hope on a wing and a prayer that you. Um, you clear the level before somebody shoots you in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so, Dougree... Not Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. Comes up, and they say they've got a picture of him. How the hell do they have a picture of him when we don't know what he looks like? He's never seen him. He's been chasing for three years. He doesn't even know what he looks like. At one point, they just call him a ghost. Yeah. Well, what's it? So how does he know it's him? <laughs> no idea. And the other point is, if I've got that on my door of my hotel room, which basically destroys the hotel room as a like a safeguard, yep. and I'm in bed. I think I'm going to die. I think maybe I'd lower the explosion. You would, <laughs> you'd want something directional facing the other way, wouldn't you? Like a claymore. Yeah, not that I've, yeah. not that I've thought home security through in these these depths, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does seem to blow everybody from both directions because it blows him completely out the window, and he's not even got his shoes on. Oh yeah, he's picking up guns. All over the hotel. I mean, he's dropped them all. How many guns does this guy have? And, yeah, how does he know that little the maid's not going to clean the guns? So, you know, put them... <laughs> it's got a do not disturb sign, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I do when I check into a hotel room for work is um, hang about 30 feet of battle rope off the uh, off the edge of the window. <laughs> <laughs> Drop your pistols in every dustbin or every flower bed. Every ice bucket. Yeah. I just stick with the James Bond method. I just put a piece of hair on the door and hope that it doesn't just 
dry up and fall off. It's not going to explode, though, is it? Hopefully not. After the hotel room gets blown up and he fights his way out, killing uh, the entire Moscow police force. He, 16? Um, just 16. 16 officers. Just 16 they, they actually officers. do a count. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So, yeah, he, he goes shopping and gets himself a nice suit and then goes to get Nika. Uh, is it ever explained why she's got a like, weird tattoo on her face? Yeah, it, it, it was there to stop Belikov from punching her in the face. Right. Was he scared of tattoos? I don't know. <laughs> Well, this is the Quite weird possibly. thing, because if you start getting tattoos, cover yourself in tattoos, you stupid mare. He's just not going to punch that very specific bit of her cheek. <laughs> Everything else is fair game. She <laughs> goes yeah. to, uh, gets Nika <laughs> and questions her about Belikov, and 47 tells her she was hired by Belikov's brother, and then he's going to go and get some answers. Costume change number one. Yay! Agent 47 dresses up like an engine driver uh, in the St. Petersburg train station where the other agent that couldn't shoot woman from across the street is turned up along with everyone else. And then there's some kind of agent program annual general meeting in a railway <laughs> carriage that ends very messily. Hey, lads, lads, I've got an idea. Let's have a sword fight. <laughs> I was cringing so hard. Yeah. Oh, Why? <laughs> yeah, but it's stupid because we're all pointing guns at each other. At each other. We're not pointing at him at 47. We're all pointing at each other and then they just attack 47 it's like yeah they don't play nice do they they don't get along no it's like come on you've been brought up together you've gone for all that years of training together you got your barcode <laughs> come on don't you have your barcode brother hmm well I don't know because in the training montage it does actually show you little kids killing other little kids that are trying to escape over the fence so I think they're pretty much in it for themselves yeah but you've all been sent I don't <laughs> 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 the, um, do you remember in uh, John Wick 2, the scene where John Wick and another guy are walking through a train station shooting each other with like silenced <laughs> pistols? Yep. That was a good scene, wasn't it? <laughs> it was great. Right, back to Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted you to think about a good scene for a second before we go back into this. Um, <laughs> it's just an example of how you can do something interesting, a good, a interesting action scene in a crowded train station instead of having well, a that's the thing. mass sword this... fight. You remember that bit in The Untouchables when the doll's car- or the carriage just rolls down the stairs? <laughs> yes. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, because as soon as the action starts kicking off, it's like the train station just clears. You don't see anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> Where did they go? I don't know. Is it like, uh oh, someone's <laughs> kicking off, we've got mm. agents in, let's go. It's yeah. another Thursday. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of shit happens. Not Gerard Butler gets shot in the ribs and Nika saves him from getting shot in the head. Why? And then Teabag and not Gerard Butler have another run in and they some words are said. Meanwhile, we find out that Nika was bought by Belikov. Also, we find out that Yuri and the FSB know that Belikov, that, that the Belikov that his headshot off was a double. Um, <laughs> then 47 and Nika are off to Istanbul to meet some arms dealer to do some more shopping and have dinner. Don't they give you a sandwich and says, I'm going to kill you? And she just goes, don't kill me. And she's like, all right, I won't kill you. Just don't interfere in my killing. Well, isn't it oh, a whole yeah. scene yeah. of like, let's go and buy you a dress because we're going to go out for dinner. 
Where yeah. They go to dinner and then don't eat anything. It's like, right, let's leave. Why? Why yeah. now? Oh, I've just, I've just killed three guys in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. oh, we've all done that. Oh, dear me. Yeah. <laughs> Bad curry night. Yeah. So this is, this is what gets me though, right? Okay. So you've got this. It's all suddenly revealed that oh my god, Belikov was Belikov, and the double was his double. So they want to replace the moderate Belikov with, you know, hard right face off Putin. Um, so what do they do? Oh God, we need to get rid of actual Belikov and replace him with a double. Yeah. So why don't we hire the world's best assassin to shoot him in the middle of a crowded public place with a high velocity round, and then we'll put a contract out on the assassin that killed him, and then nobody will find out. Just think, why? Why would you not just stab actual Belikov to death in his sleep? And then change the sheets and put face off Putin mm. in there before the butler pops in with tea and toast in the morning. Why? Nobody would know. Literally, nobody would know. Why? What? Why? Why are we shooting people in public and then murdering assassins <laughs> to cover up? Ludicrous. I don't know. Why don't they just get an ice pick? Yeah, honestly, they've got form for ice pick. It's just like the entire film is just plot for plot's sake. <laughs> 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 There's a crazy amount oh. of nudity though in um, when they get to Istanbul, which is quite refreshing. Oh yeah, no, that that was just another scene to hammer home the point that look, he's he's not interested in anything apart from killing. He's got no emotions. No schlong. And then the camera cuts away. Yeah, he drugs her. <laughs> he drugs oh, her to, yeah. Paris and, and to then, sleep. Like, what was that whole thing about him? Like. He says to her, wait here, and then he goes inside some he goes inside a hotel and then sneaks out a back door and then she happens to be outside that back door and is like, Oh, you're gonna ditch me. And he was like, No, I knew you'd be here. Or something. Ah, who cares? <laughs> yeah. So the arms deal with Russian movie villains. Desmond from Lost <laughs> goes horribly wrong. Like, seriously, for starters, um, who does an arms deal in a room like that apart from a awesome. 70s Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> so there's lots of slow-mo shooting, blood everywhere, everybody dies. But you know, there's a point in that Russian thing where his subordinate tells him, this ain't Price, because he calls himself, is it Price, Mr. Price, for drugs? Oh, yeah. And he says to him, this ain't Price, really loud. And then the brother still keeps going on about how he's going to buy these guns and stuff and makes like a big scene. I mean, Agent 47 hears him saying, you are not who you are. So everyone knows the shit. They weren't really subtle, were they? I think no. that's one thing this film's definitely lacking is subtlety. You don't want to drink with your new president, Tavarish. You're celebrating, yes? All the evidence is erased. Mikhail Belikov. Now I'm the one and only. And the one man I have asked you to kill. The only one who can expose us is the one man not in this room. So yeah, it, it all gets messy as Yuri meets Belikov in the place where they make the fake Belikovs and uh, not Gerard Butler steps up his angry Scott Eutine and shouts at everyone. Can't remember what he shouted, but there you go. Oh my rude. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't take the sugar out of the iron brew. <laughs> Belikov goes to a church to make a speech. He's obvious, quite clearly standing inside a bulletproof glass case. It's not just a speech, though, is it? It's his brother's eulogy. Right. I don't know whether that makes any difference, but... No, it really does. <laughs> not really. <laughs> he just happens to be in a church standing and... and uh, Someone tells him... 
to kill him. And oh, it's um, the Russian guy, isn't it? It's Yuri, isn't it? Yuri's strapped to a bath with a, a rubber duck with a noose around it. Something from his home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that whole scene really confused me. I think it, the rubber duck has... Confused his... and aroused me. <laughs> <laughs> Reminded me of the time I tied somebody up with barbed wire in my own bath. Mm. <laughs> I think gave him a rubber duck. Yeah, uh, and a walkie-talkie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Teabag makes the order for the sniper to kill Belikov, and the sniper takes the shot at the obviously bulletproof yeah. glass case around him and doesn't kill him <laughs> and then continues to shoot and still doesn't kill him yeah but how are they going to knock all the people out because we stop this assassin yeah, by knocking all, knocking all the people out yeah it's a public funeral there's like shitloads of people oh yeah that guy's just like gas everyone <laughs> yeah but they have actually done that yeah, before yeah. in Russia if you remember not long back um, they actually gassed the whole theatre for oh, people steady now steady now are you accusing <laughs> Vladimir Putin of propagating a false flag terrorist operation <laughs> in order to declare war on Chechen No, rebels. no, 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 no. We are not doing that. I do not like polonium in my tea. Are you not? Are you definitely not? Okay. <laughs> Which one? Because don't forget, there are three Vladimir Putins out there. If you look at the photos of the ears, they've all got different ears. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yes. Uh, like, as you say, uh, we should, unless we all went in and like Alexander Litvinenko, <laughs> we probably should better move on from that subject. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, not Gerard Butler has somehow bent the space time continuum to make it on, on time to the church <laughs> in the middle of Russia from his London office. Because it's Interpol, Interpol. They've got a secret light speed railway system. Although his office wouldn't, uh, yeah, his office wouldn't be in London, it would be in Lyon. Agent 47 dresses up like he's out, like he stepped off the set of Blake 7 and a helicopter shoots everything. <laughs> Yay! Except Agent 47. Yes. Oh. Then Agent 47 is arrested by Interpol, who don't have that power, uh, and the CIA get in the way and he runs away. Uh, <laughs> and they're Russian soil. The CIA are yeah. Russian soil and they can't yeah. be open. With, presumably without the Russian government's permission. But it's okay, because in international crime-fighting organisation Top Trumps, only the CIA beats Interpol. Oh, right, okay. And, it's, and it was an easy way to shoehorn Agent Smith into it as well. <laughs> yeah, but the Silver Surfer's got powers 10, so surely he trumps all of them. He's not got a warrant card. Oh, no. damn it. He's just one of those, like, uh, debt collection sheriffs. I would pay good money to see the Silver Surfer on If You Can't Pay, We'll Take It Away. Right, anyway. Yeah, sorry, seven arrested by Interpol, but CI get in the way and he buggers off. And then we finally get back to the present day from the beginning of the film, back in Not Jared Butler's house, where 47 tells him he wants to be alone and leaves him a dead body as a present. That's exactly what my cat does. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point, actually, yeah. Oh, but he's not through with being Santa just yet, as he nips back to St. Petersburg, and he gives Nika a vineyard. It was all a ruse. He didn't actually buy her a vineyard. It was what? just a picture of an advert. <laughs> yeah, it was a postcard. And he calls another agent as well. Uh, is it the shit agents again? Oh, or is yeah. Or another he's... shit agent? He shoots another agent and is like, oh, I told you guys to leave, we're alone. He's already dead, mate, you can't hear you. 
<laughs> so agent 47 talks to himself as well as yeah <sighs> no he speaks to dead people yeah that's the next time you see after the silver surfer so wait a minute so not gerard butler is actually time cop and hitman is actually six cents okay i hope i never see you again The history of man is defined by war, and war by the men who fight it. What if we could create a better man? Someone did. The agent program was initiated in August of 1967 by a man named Peter Aaron Litvenko. Its purpose was to create the perfect killing machine. Human beings without emotion or fear or remorse. The resulting subjects were called agents. The program was a success, but the price of creating men without humanity was Levenko's conscience. Applying his brilliant mind to his flight, he vanished. Fearing that it would be exposed, the government shut down the program, and surviving agents drifted into shadows. A hitman, colon, Agent 47. That's not colon, Agent 47, by the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I, this is going to be one of the first times that uh, there's been a really shitty adaptation of a, a video game, and then they have tried to reboot that shitty adaptation of a video game less than a you decade this later. Needs, this needs a reboot. Yeah, but, yeah. but the first one, first one made $99 million on a $24 million budget. But it's cost them nothing. And they cancelled the sequel for some reason. Well, Man, I where... wish I knew where <laughs> 24 million went. Is it because Timothy <laughs> Elephant grew his hair back? Didn't he also go on a podcast and basically say, when he was interviewed, I've got absolutely no intention of being in the sequel. I only did this film to pay for my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Right, Hitman, Agent 47. We start the film off properly by Agent 47 picking off cars with booby traps to get a man running away from one room full of computer monitors to go across town to another room full of computer monitors. And then he gets to the other room full of computer monitors and both the guys in front of the computer monitors are dead. And then all the computer monitors turn off and then the other two guys get shot. And then there's Rupert Friend. I liked how he picked off the cars with the booby traps. That was good. But, well, but I before, quite enjoyed that. Before the booby traps bit though, there was, there was like a, a small bit of introduction and origin story. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is actually quite promising. This is fairly believable right up until that bit where it all got a bit shooty and the glowing red trackers that he put on the cars, which was just like, oh, okay, right. Mm-hmm. But did anyone else think that that introduction section where the woman's doing the voiceover just sounded like a really flat, dispassionate school project being read out? Yeah. yeah. The agent yeah, program yeah. was initiated in the August of 1967 by a man named Peter Aaron Litvenko. It is. It's like, there were, like uh, you'd, you'd presume that somebody in the recording studio, when that voiceover was like, at the end of that take was like, okay, that was good. Can we try it again with a little bit more passion? A little bit more feeling. Let's, let's try, uh, <laughs> yeah. Can we try it with um, some inflection, maybe? Um, yeah, but presumably it's, they did the take and went, right, that's it, it's golden, in the bag, move on. <laughs> um, 
And she says, I'm just warming up. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. No, no, we got it's it in the bag. It's fine. Yeah, Where are you going? One? No, 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 it's fine. That's lunch, I everyone. halfway through. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wrap. Then <laughs> <sighs> that was the first piece of really, really awkward product placement. Presumably, Audi paid a little bit of money. I did notice that every the... time somebody got into a car, it was just a flash of the Audi logo on the front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was almost always an Audi. Yeah, I did like the fact that you got that shouty German guy in the Audi as well. Does he come as an extra? You know, do you pay extra? You know, like a sunroof. Mm-hmm. Do you get a German extra that just sits there in your car shouting "Ein, zwei"? Yes. Yeah. God, I wish it just had a normal sat now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian, blessed. <laughs> German Brian Blessed shouting directly. Oh, God. That. Well, if you think about it, BMW had the Transporter, and then you've got Audi getting the um, Hitman. So who won? <laughs> Jury's out on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, and we'll leave you to ponder that. We'll let you decide. <laughs> Tweet us and email us at LGR. Twitter poll. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just having the image of a Twitter poll, which is just who won? <laughs> <laughs> Hitman or Audi? <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you mean like <laughs> who won and then no options? <laughs> we find out that there's a plan to restart the agent program because it went so well last time, but it needs Katja Van Dies and the man uh, who likes to look at computers uh, knows where to find her. Another baby trap kills the computer monitor man and sets the alarms off. Uh, We're introduced to Katja Von Dies, um, who seems to be the dullest one-dimensional woman on the planet, uh, if she wasn't bizarrely terrified of hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that scene was weird. Is this where we see Diana for the first time? Princess of Wales? No, no, not that Diana. No. <laughs> that would be an almighty twist if that was one of his contracts, wouldn't it? Oh, can you imagine it? The Express would have just wet themselves. <laughs> Who is this bold man at the Alma Tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can't remember if, if Diana, that the hand actually turns up at this point or not, but she's definitely in the film and she definitely doesn't look anything like she does in the games. John Smith, which character was John Smith? John Smith was um, Zachary Quinto. Yeah, John Smith, Spock from Star Trek, introduces himself to her in a way that can only be described as creepy, more stalker-like than uh, that famous James Blunt song about sexual predator. It was basically Terminator, wasn't it, essentially? They were just remaking Terminator in the first <laughs> kind of hour. But that, without right? the time travel and more creepiness. Yeah, yeah. and, and for, for a moment I thought, well, we're going to get, what are we watching? Because we seem to be getting a Hitman movie from the perspective of one of his targets. And I thought it's all well and good, but in reality, that just wouldn't translate to a good film. Because like we were saying earlier, if, if you get a silent assassin rating, it would literally just be a film about a guy who chokes to death after eating a poisoned donut. <laughs> that would be it. 90-minute <laughs> yeah. film would be, guy has terrible accident. Playing golf. The end. Yeah. I, like, I did think, because I hadn't seen this one before, thank you, Netflix, providing the film. I instantly gave it a thumbs down when I finished <laughs> watching it. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> Um, was like for the like for the first right however long, the first six hours of this film, it felt like I was like, is Agent Forty Seven the bad guy? 
that's kind of neat. Maybe they're taking in a different perspective. That's exactly what I thought, and it was it was a really interesting idea. Yeah, I was like, okay, maybe maybe I've got this film wrong. Maybe it's going to be all right. They're going to turn the tables and Agent Forty Seven, the bad guy, or not really the bad guy, but being told from the perspective of his victims, potential victims or whatever. I don't know. Um, but, but no, they, they couldn't keep that up for very long. I'm not a big Hitman fan. I've only played a bit of a game, but we've never had precog abilities, have we? They've never... These abilities that they seem to show them of a girl having... She's, she, no, she can, no, no. So I, I think Skip would... Maybe Minority Report... You know, we cross over. Yeah, I was going to say, Skip was watched Minority Report and thought, that was yeah, pretty good. Well, I tell you what, the female is bald. There's bald precogs, so there you go. Maybe the 47 the agents are precogs. Well, Agent 47 can kind of see through walls in the yeah, game. Yeah, I suppose maybe it's, it's Skip Wood's natural extension of that game mechanic. Yeah, I don't know. We're looking into this way too much. Yeah, well, no, first of all, it's, it's yeah, that, that creepy introduction of just... It's her being stalked by Spock, Zachary Quinto's crazy eyebrows on the underground, and she'd just been like, "I'll go along with this guy. He seems it's nice. Okay, it's okay. He's gay. He'll be safe." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. No, it's not established in the film that his it's character kind of, it's, is. It, um, it was vaguely uh, reminiscent of Christopher Eccleston's Doctor being introduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when your alarm bells were going off, my name is John Smith. You'd be like, uh, "I'm off." What, the guy that founded um, Mormonism? Um, No, no, actually. I get that all the time. Funny you should ask. Have you got time to hear about your Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? I'll take the shooty bald man, thanks. (laughs) Let me me finish killing this this crazy bald dude and I'll proselytise. Right, um... So, yeah, uh, a fight breaks out uh, when Agent 47 turns up and everyone in the subway station disappears immediately, just like in the last film. Um, As they take onto the train tracks and have some fisticuffs, um, Eyebrows escapes with Katya to a car waiting for them, obviously because this film would be very short otherwise. Uh, Was it another Audi? Yeah, it was. It might have been Um, another Audi. And I spotted an error on this as well. You know the fight on the subway tracks... When um, there's a train comes at um, Agent 47's back, mm-hmm. he just sort of turns, kind of sees it from sort of, you know, the side of his vision. Mm-hmm. Um, instantly is flipped around because he goes and lays down on his back for the train coming over. Now, that's quite a neat trick. Or a terrible continuity error. We'll let you decide. It's probably the um, first thing they teach you. Is this another Twitter poll? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that fight was very poor. It felt like there was no effort, no punch, and no strength between them. It was just like really boring. I, I also couldn't help but think that if that was a video game level, it would be the most annoying one in the entire series, trying to avoid the trains yeah. whilst having a fight with someone. Uh, yeah. Mm. True. Most of the fist fights actually through it were quite weak, but I'm, Rupert Friend's quite a scrawny fella. Yeah, but I like that. Zachary Quinto was probably like, no, no, not in the face. I need this for Star Trek. I just <laughs> felt like Rupert Friend was too young and they just didn't have enough presence to, to pull off the character. That sounds really dubious, sorry. <laughs> he's, Rupert Friend is a good actor and he can, yeah. I mean, he's been in some really good things he's been in some trash yeah, as but, well. we, mm-hmm. uh, but he is a decent actor 
Uh, With the voice and the the character he, in the game, I'd always he, imagine forty seven to be in his kind of late forties. Yes, hmm. and not Rupert Friend or Timothy Oliphant. Definitely neither of those people. No, I liked Rupert Friend um, because is is the way that he speaks is very balanced. He, he never really breaks tempo, or he never really breaks where his measure is. You know, he, he never shows any stress all the way through. He's pretty much a flat monotone, isn't he? All the way through. Uh, he is also um, very gaunt and yeah, um, yeah. It didn't. It didn't. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got great, great eyes. I think his eyes look exactly like I would imagine the Hitman to look. You know, it looks close to what the Hitman character does in the games. Mm-hmm. But obviously, he's got some sort of crazy afro going on instead of bald head. You know, he's just got way too much hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Where are we going to? Oh, yeah. So they escape in, in the nearby Audi that was waiting for them. He explains that he's working for a company called Syndicate International, which, if she wasn't already creeped out by him, uh, at this point, surely you'd be like, okay, stop the car, I'm getting out. <laughs> so he takes her to the, the US Embassy in Berlin, where um, they're greeted by that character actor that you've seen in <laughs> loads that, of things, that but nobody that knows thing. his name. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man, yeah, I know. Uh, he was also in that... That film with the, he was in the um, yeah, he was in the TV yeah. thing as well. Yeah, yeah. good, a good character actor. Great, cracking. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Agent Forty Seven <laughs> just he goes to do that scene from the Matrix and then doesn't, and then goes to do the you're not locked. I'm not locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me thing from Watchmen. Complete steal as well from uh, Watchmen. Yeah. Oh uh, no! I you've got and you brought me my gun. Why would he set up a like? Um, Show the teacher a basic academy thing. Do not bring the gun why would into he, the interrogation like, room. Do not put a bullet yeah, in it. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no one who gets to that point of working in an embassy can be that stupid to take in the the weapon into the interrogation room and just put it on the table. What if it had gone off? How is he supposed to explain that to... to um, shh, we've had a real accent. But like that scene, you know, the scene in... Um, in Pulp uh, Fiction. Uh, uh, Pulp Fiction, yeah. <laughs> Call the cleaner to come and... Um, yeah, um, Washington, yeah. Uh, we need someone to come and clear up this guy's brains off the inside of our interrogation room. Don't ask. Don't ask. It's a long story. <laughs> I love the bit where he says, what's your name? And he says, 47. And he says, that's not a name. And it's like, well, what do you want then? Share? Yeah. It is mine. <laughs> that's not <laughs> a real name yeah, either. It's like, no, but it's not. Why didn't he, he could have said anything? <laughs> Jeff. My name is Jeff. <laughs> Jeff McJefferson. They could have said the agent. Yeah. My first name's the agent. The second name's 47. John, John Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the most preposterous <laughs> action scene, he knees the table which then makes the gun jump up and drop down and presumably has a hair trigger so a bullet comes out and he manages t- to position himself so that it shoots through the chain on his i wish that scene had just gone at full full speed and he'd done that and then just died. Got shot in the face <laughs> no i liked that because i liked how rupert friend moved through that i thought he yeah. looked very cat-like I think that's the thing because you've got a scrawny yeah, guy. But Agent you can actually get some speed. Is not a cat. You played the le- the last hit, man. He's definitely not a cat when I'm playing him. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. He's, he's more an idiot that just walks around and gets shot. He'd be big the cat from Sonic. So Agent Forty Seven murders 
almost everyone inside the embassy, apart from the one dude that he threatened his kids first (laughs) and then didn't kill him. Because he's a good guy. Uh, And then, yeah. And then eyebrows and catcher run away again. Why is she still following this guy? So they escape the embassy, don't they? In another Audi. Yeah. Yeah. But in in that time, they managed to escape from the room to the Audi. Yeah. An Audi police car. He goes through two costume changes. (laughs) Yeah. He manages to get in mm-hmm. two jackets, yeah. two pairs of frog yep. trousers. Yeah, do you yep. know, now I'd, I'd noticed that because he dresses up as the, the sergeant who's in the room guarding him when he's got the, the gun on the table and he's, he's walking out towards the thing. Now, having played the game, you and I know that at the point he gets to the bottom of the stairs, the one guard who's left kind of turns around and goes, uh, Sergeant, is everything okay? Now, having played the game, we know that implies that perhaps his costume isn't suitable for the area that he's about to enter. Or he's exactly. got, uh, the, the soldier's got a little white dot above his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's a noticer. So he takes him out, and in the next scene, he's wearing the other guy's uniform, costume change. That makes sense to us, because we've played the game. Yeah. To any normal <laughs> cinema goer, that's just weird. <laughs> yeah, to, to anyone who's played the game, like it's like, you've yeah, you cock up, you get spotted, you change the outfit, you get spotted again, so you kill the person who spotted you, and you steal their outfit, and it's just a chain of, of dead, <laughs> naked corpses. Naked corpses. You see, this is why we got you in in the first place, Andy. <laughs> it's just that moment of when it, and I was watching it as a film and I thought oh yeah nice nice he's had a costume change he obviously wasn't going to go in that area and, yeah. then, and then the logic the logical part of my brain went anybody who doesn't know that is going to sit here thinking why is he taking the time to get changed when he's trying to catch those guys twice twice he does it on the store that left the building yeah twice uh, in the last film as well when he has the big shootout where not Jared Butler gets shot in the ribs well where he shoots Jared, not Jared Butler in the ribs um, he hides one of the dead bodies in a crate in the last one he drives around in a car with a dead body in the boot for about half of it yeah that's true it's like a little nod to the game I did love that that was my favourite bit of banter though was um, you locked me in there Wait, I took the body out <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, 47. You crazy. Another ridiculous sniper shot from, like... Right, this was really dumb. So, like, he looks and he sees the car that's behind behind a vehicle and then uh, behind a building, and he just turns the sniper rifle what appears to be a full 90 degrees and just blindly fires a shot, which, okay, whatever. And then... Eyebrows screams as the window shatters, and you think, okay, he shot her. And there is no period of, like, is she dead? Because almost immediately, it's like, oh, no, she's fine. And it's like, what happened? What happened? Yeah, because it cuts to her having a gratuitous shower scene, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but it's not that gratuitous. Is this some kind of death dream? I don't know what. What's going on? Is this a Dallas thing? (laughs) I like the fact that he took the shot and it went between train carriages. I love that. That was clever. That was great. I liked that shot, even though it was 15 miles long. (laughs) Yeah, almost definitely, but let's not... carriages affect the bullet because of the velocity of the carriages, change the air pressure... Uh, yeah, but that's yes. Yeah, but he'd already taken that into account, nice. and that's what was actually <laughs> propelling it. At this range, you need to take into account the Coriolis effect. <laughs> so, uh, eyebrows takes Catchy to a hotel of some sort and tells her that she's been enhanced, 
uh, and they figure out roughly where he's in the world due to having uh, where, where her father is in the world due to and him having. She appears to have not Gerard Butler's map as well, doesn't she? Yes. 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 Oh yes, complete <laughs> with pin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got left somewhere in the production office, and they were like. We'll have that. Put that in the film. <laughs> it's my favourite prop from the first hit, man. We've got to put that in there. <laughs> the orange bin. <laughs> yeah, where did she keep that? In a backpack. Come on. Women's handbags. You can store anything in True. Pull out a yep. little... Yep. You know, I'll go with that. Court board. Yep. Kick it up. It was in the Audi. In the Audi. <laughs> so it's an optional extra, but it's worth it. Uh, it's... <laughs> it's better than the screaming German. <laughs> At some point, I guess it was established that she'd been shot with a tracer bullet and not a real bullet, although the film does a terrible job of explaining what happens between her being shot and her having a shower. Did, but this is this is what I don't understand, right? Okay, so you've got to think that Zachary Smith is reasonably well-trained. Um, so, right, okay, he shoots her in the arm with a tracker. This is what happens, right? Okay, so at the beginning of the film, do you remember the trackers that he put on the three Audis that were driving past? <laughs> yeah. They were massive, yeah. they were glowing red, and they were bleeping. Yeah. How did John Smith not notice that in a row? I guess he's <laughs> not a very <laughs> observant <laughs> She's pretty butch. He makes a good point. When we were researching your father, we found a file. It mentioned you. It said that, it said that he changed you. Changed me how? It said that he had enhanced your survival skills. It's why we think... You've been hiding. It's why we think you've been able to keep off the radar. It's why we think you've been able to stay alive for so long. That's why I'm always afraid. Yes. Jesus, they think I know how to find my father. What is this? That's my father's life. And then all of a sudden, she's having a conversation with Agent 47, who up until that point has, for all she knows, has been trying to kill her. And she doesn't immediately run away. She's like... Okay, I'll hear this guy out. That right there is some pretty serious Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. I mean, that is... Hmm, it's killed killed the guy who was trying to save me, tied me up and turned on a jet engine. Yeah, he's trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he ties it to a chair. <laughs> now, the thing is, he shoots John Smith three times in the um, hotel room, which is a really bad place to get shot in. Um, but then later on he says he's got this crazy body armour. So why did he just lay down? That was the point that the film broke. <laughs> All right. <me>. Okay. Um, <laughs> See, I also think, right? Don't you? While they're talking, forty-seven and the woman, the sort of exchange information. So I reckon he, as you, he has scanned her barcode to change, share the information. It's either that or telepathy, which is a new sort of form because the shot sharing memories. They're like, yeah, remember this, and he touches her. They've got like a human equivalent of airdrop. Yeah, he's just like, remember. And she's like, I remember. I'm going to go with this crazy bald guy. Why isn't she bald? I don't know. Has she got a barcode? I don't know. Let's ask Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Untie me. You have a lot to learn, Katya. We don't have a lot of time. Untie yourself. That took you too long. I didn't know that was a test. Everything is a test. Keep taking these, you'll fail. Um, 
Yeah, and then he, I, I don't know, does he knock her out and then tie her to a chair and dangle it in front of an aircraft uh, jet engine? It's the ultimate team building experience, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I'm going to turn this jet engine on. Hopefully, in the next 30 seconds, you'll remember that you are a trained agent and will break free. Otherwise, I'm sorry. It would have been it would have been quite a funny deleted scene if they'd filmed one where she just got sucked in through this. <laughs> just stood there looking a bit like, oh no. So he she breaks out and instead of being like, what the f did you just try and kill me? Uh he's like, Oh, you took too long. And she's like, Oh sorry, I guess. Yeah, you're yeah. sorry. I'll I'll be I'll be quicker next time you tie me to a chair in front of a jet engine. And then she starts getting premonitions of people appearing 10 seconds before they appear. And then the film turns into Final Destination for a bit. And lots of people get killed in ridiculous ways. I had to go and look it up like, afterwards. I was like, was this film directed by someone who did a Final Destination film? It wasn't. But do you know what I mean? Alexander Back, the guy who did Hitman, Agent 47, has literally never done another film. Uh, he's just done adverts, which makes the product placement a little bit more understandable, I guess. Um, that's all he knows what to do. How are we going to get this film financed? Don't worry, lads. I know someone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Worthy for Audi. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, yeah, we've skipped over the point when Agent 47 explains that Quatre Von Dies is actually Quatre Von Dies, the French for 90. And then she says, oh, so I'm 43 better than you. Oh, very clever. Roll credits. Just, I'm interested, why are, why are we there? I, that would never seem to be explained. Yeah, we're in a fully functioning aircraft engine manufacturers, uh, and, and yet none of the people who work there are there. Aircraft engines, I assume, are pretty expensive, so... Not even any security guards. Or how or how the bad guys knew they were there. It's like there's an entire portion of the film that they forgot to feel like they just missed a couple of pages in the script because they were stuck together. <laughs> Can you imagine the cleaners coming in on Monday morning? <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> After the, uh, the Sunday at the aircraft factory, we're introduced to another hitman uh, wearing exactly the same suit. Um who apparently electrocutes people in his bath and he's told by Diana to go to Singapore as everyone suddenly wants to find Kieran Hines. <laughs> Another costume change, uh, this time to an airline pilot uh, in Singapore to go and get another Audi. Yay! For 90 from the airport. Uh, while Catra Von Dies moonwalks to avoid CCTV. What, what I was thinking is, you know that moment where she gets into the car and she says... I know, I took too long. And you just think, yeah, I wonder how long he was queuing to get an Audi instead of the Ford deal. Yeah, that's sorry. We have- <laughs> <laughs> we got a Mondeo, sir. That's a nice uh, That's a nice executive-sized car. No, it's got to be an Audi. Uh, yeah, yeah, so somehow he managed to get a, another Audi. Um, and they do this, all this to avoid customs and immigration sneaking. Um, but how do they get to Singapore in the first place? <laughs> the the luggage compartment of the Audi corporate jet. <laughs> <laughs> then they go out to some botanical gardens that the director probably found at some point whilst uh, in his career whilst filming adverts and thought, that looks really nice. We'll mm. film a scene there. It does look amazing. Kieran Hines mumbles some lines. 
the film, if it hadn't already fallen apart, completely begins to fall apart at this point. Some truly awful lines. At some point, it's established that Eyebrows has got subdermal aluminium armour. Then they have another chase. See, I never get this right. They cut them off with a jeep, fair enough. Then the track backing up and then there's two bikes. Just go straight through the bikes. Go. Yeah. Just go straight through Knock them. The bikes over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, We're always told road safety. Watch out for the cyclists. Watch out for the bikers. We don't want to hurt there's them. A, there's a couple of moments in this chase that nearly had me flipping every table I could get my hands on. Um, the first one was when uh, Kieran Hines says to Agent 47, why don't you shoot them? And he says... They've got subdermal armor, and he says they got that to work. And I was like, (laughs) Um, and then the second one was he's driving directly towards what is clearly a window, just a sheet of glass. And he's like, left or right? And she goes, straight, go straight on. And he's and he's like, oh, okay. And then smashes through the window, and then eyebrows in the car behind is like what the and i was like he's just oh my god he just came through a window audis can break glass (laughs) it's that (laughs) quattro four by four system it's amazing you you know he's a bad guy because he's driving a mercedes even before they're going through the glass he's already turning right yeah he's not listening to her at all (laughs) no no see all three escapes through this terribly badly cgi'd uh car chase Involving uh, an Audi and some cars. I'll tell you, were- I'll tell you what will stop them, lads. Uh, I've got some harpoons. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. That's a, yeah. Not a, not a roadblock. Not like, like uh, you know, a drive. <laughs> harpoons. Like it's a whale. It's not even a roadblock. It's just a crossroads. They decide to buy a bunch of harpoons at it to pin it down. <laughs> And oh, I don't Jesus. know. I don't know how they dubbed out all the extras going wee as they slid down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, right, I had to get up and walk out the room for a second, and then came back in, and then there were people sliding down some cables, and and Agent Forty Seven was just like firing in two different directions at the same time without looking and killing everyone and and then I left the room yeah. again. <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking as as they're all sliding down and he's picking them off one by side. I was just thinking this is more like uncharted. <laughs> <laughs> DNA sequences, doctor. Adaptive mutation bacteriophages. Epistasis rates. Transfer RNA. Come on, Doc. Kieran Hines gets taken to the syndicate headquarters, which looks like a call center, uh, to be tortured. I guess they're torturing him. I don't know. He didn't really put much effort into the acting, so I don't know what was going on. Um, he just saw his um, next page of script, quick. and that was yeah, it. Went, oh, oh, God. No. oh, I played Julius Caesar. Pass me the syringe of blue. <laughs> That's antifreeze. Cut to Katya tied up in the in a helicopter, and um, Agent Forty Seven close up of. Have either of you ever played? Have uh, any of you played Starcraft? Nah. Yeah, or, or Carmageddon. Uh, well, oh, you know, like, well, specifically yeah. in like in like StarCraft, where like um, 
uh, you click on one of the units and it's just a, a close-up of just their head and a little tiny section of the cockpit of whatever the thing they're in. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. all you see of Agent 47 for a while and you just presume that... Well, for a moment I was like, is he wearing some sort of mecha suit? <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Um, no, it's the Blake 7 stuff from the last film. Oh, right, okay. And then, yeah, and then he offers to, to swap Catcher for... Um, I mean, all the way through this film, she just must be like, "Why do I follow these people?" Like, I trusted, I trusted eyebrows, and he turns out to be like Wolverine crossed with the Terminator. And then I trust, trusted this baldy bastard, and now he's tied up in a helicopter, and he's offering to swap me for my dad, who's dying, who's dying anyway. My dad, um, my dad, who genetically enhanced me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Without asking permission, um, I'm sure you're. A, I'm sure you're a lovely guy, but you know, I've I've just got a really bad history of of picking terrible boyfriends. Yeah, <laughs> like she is damaged for life. Like I, she's gonna need therapy for the rest of her life after I'm just, this. I'm just not ready. Yeah. To it's got a real bad fetish for aircraft as well. And time yeah. to chairs. First, it was a jet yeah. engine. Now it's a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> She's never going to fly again. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he probably like uh, breaks the deal by driving her into the building in a remote control helicopter, and then he changes clothes again into a fireman Yippee! outfit uh, to walk into a locked office and electrocute eyebrows um, after a really terrible fight scene. Um, he's got super strength as well. I mean, see how high he punches from. Yeah. The- oh yeah, he's Vulcan, <laughs> isn't he? And yet he can't like Rupert Friend, who looks like he could be like snapped in half by a stiff breeze is like matching a man who's partly made of metal. Um, uh, <sighs> it has a massive shootout in the call center staff. Um, and then the daddy kills himself and the real target Leclerc. Is he really called Leclerc? Yeah, it is yeah. I, what, Leclerc. As, seriously? I must have glossed over that. This, the, right. Now, here's a weird thing, right? It's a call centre in the middle of Singapore, and yet everybody seems to be armed. How rough is Singapore to live in? Oh, also, also like, okay, so so you could think, well, they're, they're syndicate, they're the bad guys, they're, you know. They're, but they're just in their office. They're not in the field. Why would they be? What goes weird. on in their HR training that says, you know, um, on your first day, turn up with your lunch and a three fifty seven? You never quite know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's a bit of a crazy company to work for. Now tomorrow, you need mm. to be in at quarter past eight because you will be having your dermal armor fitted. <laughs> um, following that, there'll be a, a half day course on how to survive being sucked into a jet engine um, <laughs> and paintballing. Uh, followed by a a sensitivity workshop because there's been some serious sexual harassment in this office recently and it will stop Um, yeah uh, well Leclerc never leaves his office doesn't he He never that's why there's like there's about four agents who have tried to kill him he never leaves his office but I never see a fridge there (laughs) there's no bed where's the toilet where's his bucket where's you know Oh, God. <laughs> he's got the easiest job in this film because he never actually does anything. He just sits behind the desk and he gets up once to talk and that's it. Swap his bag occasionally. 
What's the commode? That's a commode he's sitting on, isn't it? You awesome. get me the latest stats on the Super Soldier program. You clean my chair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Leclerc um, escapes with uh, Kieran Hines, and then Kieran Hines blows up the helicopter. I can't. I, don't know, I can't yeah. remember how he manages to do that. He's an ailer. Yeah. He just happened to have on his on his person, and they didn't frisk him when they when they took him in, and we're like, what is this? Well, to, um, actually, to be very, he does pick it up in the confusion as he's oh, being dragged out. When he does, the yeah. Starts. But the thing well, is, he's had well, that for years. That's no, he hasn't. Um, this is the what? This is the asthma inhaler that Agent Forty Seven swaps a kid for in a lift. Now he, sw- he swaps. He swaps I, out a, a, the inhaler for a, a, a dagger. I don't. In I a don't lift. Wanna... I don't want to burst the bubble of this highly realistic movie, but I, I work in experimental research, and <laughs> if he was on an experimental nano-inhaler, I can assure you it would look nothing like a child's asthma inhaler. Nothing. <laughs> it would, certainly would not be identical to it. But this wasn't identical. It had an orange sticker on the side with a lion. Admittedly, uh, somehow Agent 47 was able to overcome that. <laughs> <laughs> That phenomenal disguise. <laughs> See, like, we're not even watching it. We're just talking about it, and this film is breaking us. Um, and we haven't even got to the, like the worst bit. I still uh, don't know which one's my favourite. This is what's breaking me. Agent, so Leclerc blows up the helicopter, ending the agents' program, or so you think. And dum, then dum, dum. Agent Forty Seven and Catravon Deese are standing on the. Standing on the roof, right where yep. the helicopter yep. took off, in a scene that looks like it was shot by the same. Well, it looks like it was shot by Tommy Wiseau. Um, <laughs> like they had access to a roof, but decided to still green screen it anyway because that's I, I how must, they make films. I must admit that that bit where they pan up over the roof onto the helicopter just before it all kicks off on the helipad, I did think was one of the poorest pieces of CGI. And all it was was a helicopter on a helipad. And you just think, <laughs> <laughs> how hard would it have been to have just got some stock footage? Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, <laughs> or like those really, really bad low-budget films where they use a toy helicopter uh, and like, put it really close like to the camera, and everyone <laughs> 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 like that would have looked better. <laughs> Stringfellow Hawk yes, in the background. Yeah. Um, so yeah, forty-seven and and Catravon Disa having a, a touching moment on the badly green-screened roof, and then the lift doors open. Before doesn't he get shot? Though? Probably saves the life. He gets shot. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and he doesn't even suffer anything. Is it- he gets a bit staggered. I mean, later on, he just walks around like normal. It's, like, yeah, it's just a flash. Yeah. He just, yeah, he basically has a moment of, of dramatic impact where he gets shot saving her life and then essentially just shakes it off. <laughs> like, yeah, like, Walk it off. There is absolutely no commitment to anything in this film. Like, just like <laughs> the scene a where, where she gets shot and then the very next scene is her surviving having been shot. Like, it was nothing. Like, no, like, let's drag this out for a little bit and they could have had Agent 47 go down like he was dead and then five minutes later or something yeah. he turns up at the last moment no but it's like oh, oh I've been shot oh, actually I'm quite alright um, let's carry on um, <laughs> I think the whole point is as well because it's obviously meant to be the pivotal moment when she suddenly realises she can depend on him despite everything that he's said yeah. and and you think well 
that that bullets had absolutely no effect. So it really undermines this dramatic emotional moment completely. <laughs> ah, it makes a mockery of it. Must be a deleted scene somewhere in between the fight and the helicopter crash. He managed to change into the subdermal armor. Would you reckon that's what happened? Maybe it's the blue stuff. That's what I write. And he took it off Zachary Quinto. No, it Quinter. wasn't like a case of subdermal arm like changing into it. Like He explains that it was like injected in a liquid form under the skin and just like... You've taken in a lot Jesus. more than you expected. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, this is, I, I want to know what this has pushed out of your mind. Something probably really important. Like I've forgotten everything about trigonometry or something like that. Next time you go to get cash out, you won't be able to remember your thing. <laughs> Are you be typing this 47, 47? <laughs> I'll wake up in the morning and I can't remember how to drive anymore. Um, You've been looking so, for Audis yeah, all the time. I presume there must have been someone from Audi there on the set. Or maybe there wasn't. I don't know. Constantly. I like the idea that they're... Hey, guys, this, this helicopter scene on the roof, is, is there any way we could get an Audi in it? <laughs> and it's, it needs more Audi. Can you just wear these Audi jackets while you're flying that helicopter, please? <laughs> do, do we... Do, hey... It's, it's Terry down at the shoot. Look, do we do <laughs> can helicopters? Can we just... We don't. I, can we just put an Audi badge on the front of a helicopter? We can? Yeah, what, oh, what good. About, what about Audi fire engines? Yeah. Because he, he gets out of one of those. We've got Audi police cars. Sorry, Fritz. Yeah, um, me again. Uh, do we make aluminium subdermal armour? We should. Okay, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what happens when he goes through the, the metal detector at an airport? <laughs> it just goes into meltdown. Aluminium's not bulletproof. Just putting that out there. That's tinfoil um, in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it might be a little bit thicker. But it can't be that much thicker because it's it's just a layer underneath his skin. Unless it's really, really you know thin. How, and it doesn't. It didn't look like he'd been inflated. You know. You know how non-Newtonian <laughs> fluids, when you when you apply a force, they become rigid. Maybe it's custard. And they brush it off as just being like, oh, they got that to work. Like, they injected liquid aluminium into his skin, and he's fine. I mean, do you know how hot that would be? Leclerc, he was your target the whole time. Everything you taught me was just so you could have a diversion. It was necessary. But to kill a single man? No. To put a stop to the agent program once and for all. And to set you free. Your father loved you, Katya. He understood that the clerk would not rest once he knew who you were. That he would hunt you down. So he did what any parent would. He died to save his children. This is your mission, isn't it? We determine who we are by what we do. The lift opens and Rupert Friend steps out of the lift and then you get a close-up of the barcode in the back of his head and it ends with 4-8. Yay! And then he pulls his gun out and clearly shoots first and then 47 and catch Rondis 
have time to pull their guns out and fire back, and then the film ends. Do you get the impression that the night before they shot that scene, the director had been watching The Departed? Maybe. May, or, or those like they turned up on set in. and was like, <laughs> and the was like uh, okay, so um, how are we ending this film? Where's that Audi mean? rep? Has that Audi rep got any ideas on how we can end this film? Where's, where's Terry from Audi? Uh, right. Um, Did you realise there's an end credit scene or a mid credit scene? Yeah. Is there? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that. What happens? Right. Um, halfway through the credits, it cuts to a eyebrows and he's all gone white. He's all gone crazy albino now and all his hair is white and his eyebrows are crazy white and his eyes have gone kind of a pale blue and he's just fizzing with electricity. Oh, so he's, he's basically become, what is his name, Mark, Mark Parkesi the third or whatever. You know, the the um, the um kind of the evil agent from the other organisation has got kind of crazy white hair because Ah, one, I see. This is where it's a games thing. One, ah, one right, type but, yeah. of cloning makes you bald, and the other type of cloning makes you albino. That's thank that's you, science. Professor. There you go. This is why we've got you on. <laughs> I, I feel, <laughs> and I bet you got your came on. I feel like I should reel the <laughs> professor out now to give a detailed lecture on exactly how cloning works. <laughs> so one kind of cloning makes you bald and the other makes you albino. Did they honestly think they were going to make a sequel to this film? I hope so. Must have done. Yeah. I'm still holding up. It's only two years. Do you know what I think it needs? I think it needs another reboot. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for Spider-Man, didn't it? Irrespective of what you think of the films, which of the two films works better as a Hitman episode? Uh, probably the second one, I think. It's got the globe trotting. First one does a. It sets up more of the the accidents. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some the, hilarious accidents. You know the costume changes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I think this is where where I am with them. Actually, as as kind of action films that you could just take your brain out and watch, they were pretty watchable. They they were not the worst things I've ever seen. That still is Olympus Has Fallen, um, <laughs> but, which you own on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> I don't stop saying that. That's just rude. Um, but Shut your mouth. As kind of anything connected with the Hitman franchise, they're they're an absolute abomination. They're a travesty. <laughs> <laughs> what skip what were you doing so the whole the whole point of hitman is it's the pace of the game I, I could sit and i could play hitman for hours i could watch hitman being played for hours and in yeah. all those hours and hours and hours and hours and hours i've sunk into all the games in the series the most of what i've been doing is just standing around waiting watching people trying to exactly. work exactly when to strike yeah. and how to strike and what what are the different options available to me and that just does not translate to a film it's that shoehorning a storyline in to drive the action the whole point about hitman is that you don't actually need that to drive the action what drives the action is the fact that you've got to kill a person 
They could have just called the films Murder Dude and (laughs) had nothing to do with the Hitman games whatsoever. If you want to see a good... If you want to see a good film about a hitman, watch Leon. Yes, yes. Yeah. There you go. I'm still ha- happy to watch Murder Dude. <laughs> I don't know what you're Murder talking dude. about. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should make that. Um, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, when I haven't played the games, but I do seem to listen to the rest of the team and yourselves, is that there seems to be a sense of humour running through the hitman games where it doesn't seem present in the films. Oh, so there's none. Kill- there's, ah, there's, the films are completely devoid of humour. Actually, Oliphant gets close with his deadpan delivery of of a few bits, but you're right, it's, it's lacking the humour, and it's la- and I think that's it. They've kind of taken him and said, "Oh, he's a robot assassin." He's not actually that robotic. He's he's got an incredibly dry sense of humour. He is incredibly articulate and eloquent when he does speak, and he can conduct himself in front of anybody, you know, no matter what disguise he's trying to be. So actually, they've, they've kind of missed the mark with the portrayal yeah. of him. As we found out in the uh, Bangkok episode of The Last Hitman, he can also play the drums as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But at no point in any of these films did he knock someone out uh, by two-hand overhead throwing a fire extinguisher at them or throwing a can of expired spaghetti sauce or dressing up like a shake and murdering someone with a fire axe <laughs> or any of the stuff that makes Hitman funny. Exploding golf ball? Or an exploding golf ball or firing a cannon at a biplane. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of the stuff that we love from Hitman. Um yeah. Oh. There's a level of invention that's missing. Definitely. Completely. They decided to substitute the fun stuff with subdermal armor. Which actor do you think portrayed 27 better? Oliphant or what? Well, it's obviously Rupert Friend. I mean, it's a very low bar, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rupert Friend just about cleared it. Yeah. I would go with Rupert Friend if he had Oliphant's head. Yeah, it's Olif- just that fuzz on his head. It's the yeah. one basic thing. He could be fully Olifant bald or elephant with a prosthetic with a bald cap. I don't know. No, no, he's he's pretty bald on that. You can see him bald, and he's in interviews where he's bald as well. Hmm. So he does he does go full bald. Okay, so a, a hitman end of level rating um, from uh, a silent assassin. The silent assassin was top you could get, wasn't it? Was it? Or was there a higher one than that? Well, on on the Hitman rating system, I'd have to give them both no Hitmans because there's just no subtlety in it. There's no. So what, what would you, what would you? They're give it? they're they're good. Well, I'm not going to say they're brilliant action films. They're good action films. They're interesting. They reminded me a bit of um, yeah the kind of ridiculous '80s movies that you'd have with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Um, but they're not Hitman films. They're no. just they're just not. They've got they've got the characters. Don't get me wrong. But it's just weird. It's like those. Um, it's like those weird Mario and Zelda games that you used to get on the the Amiga CD or whatever they were. Just, just, just. You know they're the same characters, but something about it just isn't quite right. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd, I'd also give them no Hitman's because they don't. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're, they are Hitman films in name only, um, and also. The characters are bald and occasionally wear a suit with a red tie. Uh, there's, there's, that's about it, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me tonight, and what has been a very, very painful journey. 
that I don't want to make again. Fun podcast. It, it was a fun podcast, yeah. Um, <laughs> talking about these films was infinitely more fun than watching them. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. I'll fight you on that. I wish I had the energy. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Ta-ra. Bye. See ya. Bye. To be honest, if we if we take out all the Audi jokes, we'll cut that down to about forty five minutes.